Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have another very special guest. We have the superintendent of Lockhart ISD in Texas, and we also have our co-host, Corinne French. Hey, hey, I'm so excited for another great podcast. It's nice to see you, Mark. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And before we jump into today's topic, just if you can, just share a little bit about your background. Sure. So um, I've been the superintendent of Lockhart ISD. This is my uh, my fifth year as superintendent. Uh, before that, I was a teacher um, and assistant principal and principal in a neighboring school district in Del Valley ISD, kind of uh, southeast Austin area. Um, transitioned over to, to Lockhart uh, as a principal and then was an assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. And, uh, and now the, the superintendent of schools here, here in Lockhart ISD. And I love the community, lo- love the area, have four children uh, who attend Lockhart ISD schools. Um, so for, for me, you know, everything that I do um, is, is for all kids. And I want to ensure that, you know, if it's not good enough for, for my kids, it's not good enough for, for anyone's kids. Absolutely. I love that mindset. And so right now, What's going on in public ed that you're just passionate about and, you know, that, that where, where's your heart at right now in public ed? You know, that, that's a really good question. And I think right now um, there was a recent report from the Charles Butt Foundation that kind of captures um, the current climate in the state of Texas uh, regarding teachers and kind of how they're feeling. And it's something that has been really heavy on, on my heart and on, on my mind. Um, as I lead Lockhart ISD, but also as a, in a broader sense of public education in Texas, because um, if you've had a chance to look at the, the report, it, it tells a pretty, um, pretty bleak story about how teachers are feeling right now. Um, you know, uh, teachers are, are having a difficult time. It's a challenging job uh, always right now. Um, you know, they're, they're not really getting the support and don't, and don't feel the support. And that's from, you know, from the legislative level and, and policy to, you know, to, to parents and the community, to um, principals, you know, their, their colleagues, all, everything in between. Um, so, you know, reflecting on that and looking at, okay, so we talk with our teachers, we, you know, we do our own surveys, we have forums with, with them. How much of that is also in Lockhart? You know, what, what things do our teachers share? Um, and then are there any differences? You know, so we've just been diving into to that report. And I think that we we have to, if we want to educate, you know, the 5.5 million students in, in the state of Texas, we've got to have quality teachers to do that. And if teachers are leaving the profession, which we know they are, um, it's going to be very problematic, uh, especially when you look at not only are they leaving at a faster rate, but the number of people who are choosing to teach as a profession and as, as a career who are going to college, those numbers continue to dwindle. So there are less people coming into the pipeline uh, and more people exiting, uh, which, is, which is creating, you know, um, classrooms across the state that um, potentially aren't, aren't what's best for kids. And I, I feel that 
in higher ed too. And we have we had the mass exodus of people like leaving higher ed field also. And I'm wondering like, one, do you feel like this year was harder than two years ago? Because I almost feel like for me personally, when I was on a school board and then even in higher ed, and I feel like this year was is really hard. It was it's almost harder than last year. And I don't know if that's a fair uh, assessment, but the the I think what is on my mind with this idea of teachers leaving is when is it enough to like keep, keep telling someone to keep, well, hang on, just hang on. It's going to get better. Like the kids are worth it. And so I'm going to say something at risk of doing that. And, and then you tell me uh, if this is, if this is worth it, like to keep pushing on. We had eighth graders on campus the other day where I work, and this eighth grader was telling the story about wanting to basically create a space station. So his mind was there, like he had all the ideas, but he didn't have some of the technical pieces. Of course, I didn't have an answer either, other than to just say, yes, like you should do it. And he looked at me and he said, you don't think that's stupid? And he was so serious. And I said, no, it's not, it's not stupid. As a matter of fact, like, I bet you, like, there's someone who's working on that now. You should, if you're okay, you know, you should, your parents are okay. You should look them up tonight or whatever. And I'm, I wrote home and I wrote on my note, um, my notebook, like, our kids are still dreaming and they need adults who can meet them and help with that self-efficacy piece and help surround them. And so, like, for me, that was a boost, like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it, like, but is that enough to keep telling our teachers like they are making a difference? Like, like what is that cheesy? Like, when no, is that? I think that um, that teachers certainly need to hear that encouragement. Um, you know, um, absolutely, and I, and I and I think especially when it's coming from a sincere place, um, teachers and you know any educator will certainly that that goes a long way with them. You know, I think most teachers have that that folder with notes from, from students from parents you know from colleagues from former principals etc that you know they go to when they need some encouragement they need some you know they need that little boost um you know so i, I cert certainly think there's a place for that and, and we have we must do that um i also think though um to to kind of counter that as well we can't just depend on on the why teachers got into this, which is to build relationships with kids. You know, they, they want to make a lasting impact on, on someone's life. Um, like we have to start doing real tangible things and not just uh, assuming that teachers are going to continue to to do the work because, um, you know, because they, they care for kids. It, it's almost this, um, it's almost as if we're taking advantage of teachers because of why they get into this work. Um, and I would go as far as saying sometimes um, as a system, you know, as a system, um, people can kind of exploit the, the goodwill of teachers because, well, do you care about kids or, or do you wanna raise? And it's not about that. Teachers feel like they should be able to make a living. They should be able to buy a house in the community that they live in. They should be able to, you know, to save, Fund, they should be able to provide for their family. And the fact is, right now, especially in, in um, you know, in Central Texas and in more urban places, teachers cannot afford to be a teacher um, because of the pay has not kept up with the increase in property values and, you know, or market 
rates of, of just of just to live in the areas that they live in. So I think that um, while we need to continue to encourage them from a policy point, from a school funding perspective, we've got to support them to where they no longer have to make a choice on, do I you know, have to live with roommates um, and continue to be a teacher or do I just leave public ed, go into, you know, um, who, who knows, whatever, what other, other career that they, that they can do and be able to buy a house now, right? So, uh, and, and we're seeing people every year leave, not because they don't love working with students, but because they financially cannot afford to be a teacher any longer. And that is a huge problem uh, that, that we're facing right now. You know, you're seeing school districts now trying to, and ours included in Lockhart, we're trying to, to find affordable housing for them. We're, we're paying gas incentives, we're, you know, we're um, being innovative with insurance, uh, all because the, you know, the basic allotment that we receive per student is not keeping pace with how much it costs to live in Central Texas. And I know it's the same in many other places around the state. Um, so that teacher pay issue is, is critical and actually putting our money where our mouth is, you know, not just telling a teacher, oh, you're so awesome, you're awesome, you're amazing. Um, and I know you can't afford to live in, in the town that, that you work in, uh, but keep it up, you know, like they're, right. they're people, you know, they're, they're gonna make decisions um, based on what their family needs. And that's what we're seeing across the board, across the state, people leaving in large numbers simply because they can't afford to be a teacher anymore. Wow. Yeah, no, th this is this is huge. This is very powerful. Um, so I, I came from the corporate world before getting involved in public education. And so I, you know, I left the Fortune 100 companies to try to get back, which is part of the reason why the, the podcast is here. And a big part of that is teachers. You know, I have three kids in public school and um, I, they're not given enough, enough credit. I, I, I just, I wonder, I know in, with big corporations and, you know, comparing a school district to a corporation uh, is probably not an accurate comparison, but there are levels of management, right? There's levels of leadership there. Um, now, I know in the corporate world, asking employees that are, aren't in, you know, top leadership positions to really give candid feedback like, hey, I need a salary increase or, hey, you know, my, my leadership is not treating me how I want to be treated or my, I feel like my voice isn't heard. Are, do teachers feel comfortable sharing that? I, obviously, in the survey they did, but that was kind of a third-party survey. Do teachers feel comfortable sharing that with upper leadership? That, that's a great question. Um, I think in, in my experience, a lot of teachers um, – are fearful and like what they can share someone really is someone going to find out you know what I said th those types of things are, are pretty normal uh, we've tried to create a culture here in Lockhart of um, where they can share what they're really feeling that you know they're not going to be retaliated against those types of things um, as I mentioned we actually have twice a year teacher forums where myself and our board president we sit down and we show up and we have our teachers come in and, and they can we, we, we always center it around something. We actually centered it around the, uh, the survey, uh, the Charles Butt survey a couple weeks ago. Um, and just as a, a, a springboard into the conversation um, and teachers will tell us what's working, what's not working, um, suggestions for how to improve, et cetera. But it took, I mean, it's taken, you know, it's taken four, 
four or five years to get them comfortable with, with knowing that I can express myself mm-hmm. and say what I need to say. And it's not going to be held against me in any, in any way. Um, I can, and then we do, you know, climate culture and climate surveys and the same thing we've seen steady, you know, over the last few years, more and more people taking it because um, they, they, they want to give us the feedback and we've seen our culture improve, you know, we've gone uh, from like 70% of the people proud to work in our district to 90%. Oh, congratulations. That's a, that's a big, I mean, that's a big difference in a couple of years. Yep. Uh, our our teacher retention has improved double digits to where you know teachers are choosing to stay here so those are all good signs of of a shift in in culture um but again we you know the the culture piece is is one reason like people leave their boss they don't you know that's a we know that um but we can do all those things and if people can't afford to live in central texas they're still going to choose you know, to work somewhere else or just to leave public education in general, which is what they're doing. Um, You know, in a community like Lockhart, where most of our, about 70% of our teachers commute to work um, because there aren't a lot of places to live here. Uh, It's a small town. So they live in Austin, they live in Kyle, Butas, and Marcos, Ruffles, et cetera. Um, You know, when when gas prices are, are expensive, when, you know, their cost of living goes up, they're having to make some hard choices um, so we have to do everything possible to keep them connected and, and feel a part of our district. So we work very hard to do that. So for the retention over the two years, going from 70% to 90%, you did the, the focus groups with the focus on the surveys and what kind of what are some other things that, that were implemented? Sure. Um, so you actually kind of mentioned one of the things we've done is to try to build um, more leadership opportunities for uh, for teachers in a smaller district like, like ours. Um, we were seeing that some people felt like there weren't a lot, a lot of opportunities to grow. So we've created some leadership pipelines for, for people. We call those positions uh, lever leaders and it's part of a shared leadership model. Um, actually, you mentioned Holdsworth earlier. We, we were uh, part of the Holdsworth uh, leadership program, district leadership program. So. We've been working on this for, for five years now, um, but it's all about sharing sharing leadership at the district level, at the campus level, so that teachers feel uh, empowered, that teachers feel like they're making the decisions that affect them and their everyday uh, work experiences. Um, and then also secondly, creating career advancement opportunities to where um, they have chances to grow and then also to be compensated for that. You know, we have uh, teachers right now who who get paid more than assistant principal because of their years of experience and they don't have to leave the classroom you know it's oh, a different that's excellent yeah it's a different way to to think about um, compensation but we want to keep our best in the classroom that want to stay in the classroom we have a pathway if people want to be administrators where they can get at bats and, and opportunities to grow there um, but we also have pathways for people who want to stay in the classroom and just um, in our master teachers and deserve to um, to have some of the shared leadership to make decisions about curriculum instruction, professional development, assessment on their campuses, and to help craft those things uh, with, with the campus leadership team. So um, that we are in our, our, our third year of those positions that we that we funded. And all but two of our camp two, you know, three Six of our nine campuses have a shared leadership model and the staff been associated with that. 
next year uh, we'll add another campus or two and then in two years 100 percent of our, our campuses will have a shared leadership model and the the resources and funding uh, to to support those new positions for people who you know who who want to grow um, uh, in their leadership that is so impressive I, i'm wondering like did you all learn that model from holds work or how well, and, then, and then how would you how would a small district and how will other districts could they could they incorporate that follow sure. your lead yeah, so we um, part of the Hogsworth experience that were transformational for me as a leader. Um, one was our trip to Singapore. Um, so we we took a, a trip to Singapore to learn uh, their educational system. And one of the things that I walked away from that was the the uh, career pathways that that people had, and then and then the compensation structure around that to where you know in Texas, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times if you want to earn more. Um, salary, you have to go into administration, you have to become a teacher or central office, those types of things. When Singapore, it's not like that. Um, you know, they reward um, teacher expertise, they, they, you know, with compensation. So we, that was a huge uh, learning experience um, that helped us craft our, our model as long as, as well as we went to um, Toronto and learned about their, their structures as well. And, and those two experiences helped kind of craft our shared leadership model that we have here in Lockhart. Um, and absolutely, I think that, um, you know, we're showing that with uh, in a district of 6,500 uh, students that you can, you can create this. You don't have to be this large urban district to have uh, growth opportunities. You can do it in a smaller district with some creativity, with a willingness to, um, to give up some control at the central office, because uh, that's a lot of it is, is, you know, us as district leaders, um, understanding that uh, if we're going to empower people, it, it's going to cause us to change on how we do business as well. So that was a big culture shift that we're going through. I love that you use the word control because I think what the the importance of local control to be able to take into your own hands the ability to create the change you needed in your system and not be so dependent on other waiting for something else to change above you because that's and I think that's the the part about system change it's so hard is that you're still part of a larger system and we want to be I mean I want I want to be connected out my students to be connected to the larger state system and you know we we want some part of that but we need that local control so that's so impressive that you're able to do that i have kind of a personal question on that was it hard to get the board to buy in on that or were they were they talk about board buying in because i think uh, sure. not buy in, but like just the board getting behind that and how you navigated that because i think that could be difficult at times um to make a change like because you still have seven yeah. other people I, I, you know, one of the things that I'm very blessed to have a board that that trusts uh, the expertise of, of the school district and, um, you know, we have very clear roles and responsibilities, um, you know, so a lot of it, um, you know, that that um, autonomy was was kind of there already and trust was there, um, but in terms of really getting the board to to see the vision because they were going to have to fund some of these positions, right? It's right. a budgetary thing. Um, to really understand that what it was about was really on the, the values that we say we have for people of, mm. you know, we want to unlock everyone's potential. We're, we're, we're locked on excellence and we have a lock heart for people and really grounding what we were doing on, on those values that the board uh, helped create, right? And, and said, said that this is what the district is about. 
uh, really garnered their support pretty quickly of, okay, so now they can make sense of, of why we're, we're changing our system and, and having, you know, uh, clearly articulating. And the board really, you know, they, um, they wanted to see, okay, so I need to understand what is, what is loose and what is tight. So what, what are we relinquishing and, and <laughs> what are we keeping, right? And, and being able to explain that on a high level, I think, think was helpful to understand that it's not a free-for-all. We're still, you know, we're still a system and we have high expectations and there's some tightly held uh, practices that, you know, that we'll continue to have as a district. But these are the things that we're going to have some autonomy at the campus level as well. And, and them kind of understanding what those loose and tight systems were, I think was helpful. I love that. I know Gary's going to want to ask a question about innovation and change and then they, but loose and tight. What is loose and tight? I love that. That is because sometimes people want the, um, once they know that, then it might be easier to make another decision that they don't understand. Because often board members won't understand. They're not in public ed and they might not understand the structure, even of how a teacher might want to stay a teacher or need to move up to master teacher. These are all words that people who aren't in public ed, we can't always expect them to know. And so I love that you're saying like, what's loose and tight? Because it's like the top, the top. Sure. Like, I yeah, love, I, that's a great. I think whenever you're talking about you know, change and, and change leadership, um, you have to really under, understand what you're changing, why you're changing it, and clearly articulate to the people um, that that you're working with on, you know, the language that you're using, um, you know, and when I say loose and tight, I, like really those are who can make decisions, you know, what, what um, autonomy do you have to make decisions, when you can make it, um, you know, that's what I mean by loose and tight to where we clearly articulate where, you know, a teacher can decide how they're gonna teach fractions, um, even maybe when they're gonna teach it, as long as they're within our broader scope and sequence and they understand that they're gonna take this assessment within this time period, whatever you need to do to um, teach our students so that they're ready for that assessment that is tightly held, right? You have to give it in this two-week window. At some point, I don't care if it's day one or day ten. Mm-hmm. You decide, um, but our students will take that assessment, right? Um, and then even within that assessment is loose and tight because you have teacher teams who are going to create that assessment, right? So the tight is teachers will make our assessments. Period. We're not going to allow central office to go buy something, right? The decision is made, and as long as you involve teachers, you know that that's good. Um, and then the loose part is they can, you know, they can create the tests as, as they see it. If that's going to be multiple choice, that's going to be a written response. If it's going to be a, a, a performance task. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily care because we've had that conversation about mm-hmm. what we care about and we can articulate what's really tight and then everything else they can, people who's doing the work can decide. Um, and whenever, whenever you're, you're able to do that, I think people, it, it actually gives them more creativity because they understand, okay, so these are the, this is kind of the, the boundaries and then we can, we can go from there. That's wonderful. Yes. No, 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 this is really good. And I know we're running short on time. So we've talked to kind of big picture, some, some strategies, some tactical items for a district that's trying to get started and really embracing their teachers and showing support and, and improving teacher retention. What's that first step, kind of going from zero to one type of scenario? What's the first step you think they need to take? Oh, man, that's a good question. 
I think um, you really have to be listened to. Uh, you have to be willing to listen. And I think um, that's that first basic step as a leader. You know, um, if you're not going to listen to your staff, then don't waste their time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to sit there and make excuses of why something can't be done or or try to um, explain why it, why the district did something, like keep your mouth closed, listen, actually hear, hear the people, understand what their needs are, um, because that's the first step to addressing um you know, the, the, the issues that, that you may have in your district is, is being quiet, listening and that. And I'll be the first to admit, like, I have to, I have to tell and remind myself, you know, when someone says, well, why do we have to do this? And sometimes I want to say, well, no, you don't have to, or this or that, or this is why we do it. And you just have to listen and, and, and um, be very open to taking the, the good and the bad and uh, everything in between. Awesome. No, that, no, that's perfect. Um, so for those listening in, you have that first step and, uh, you know, we're all people, we need to, need to listen to each other. And, uh, Corinne, any last thoughts before I give a shout out to our sponsor and close out? I'm so glad you asked because I do. Um, Mark, what's your big ask for public ed right now? Uh, this will pro- this podcast will be aired sometime in mid-November, so elections already happened, but we know that we're in this for long haul with students. Uh, we're committed to public ed, so what's your big ask? Um, I, I think that um, it's not going to be a surprise on the superintendent, but we we have to increase the basic allotment um, this this legislative session. Um, I think that with the state sitting on twenty seven billion dollars in, in the surplus. There's no reason why the state of Texas cannot fund um, more appropriately public ed in Texas right now. Whenever you look at how Texas ranks in, in public education funding, we're always at the bottom. We're always in, you know, 44, 46. And, and that to me is unacceptable. In a state that loves to publicly rank schools and say who's doing a good job, I think we have to look at the state. Well, how would we, how do we rank when we look at school funding and, and we know it's 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 towards the bottom and we've got to address that this legislative session. We have the money. That's what makes sense. No sense right. to me. I'm from a state, um, well, I was born in the Northeast, but a very poor state. I'm familiar with in the Northeast, and it makes sense why some states don't fund public ed, but then ours just doesn't make, there's just something that just doesn't make sense in Texas. And so um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being on our podcast today. I can't wait to see you again in person. And Gary, I feel like we we have this mastermind idea that we want to bring our guests back on again. And I would love to have you go deeper with this loose and tight and, and explaining that. I think for that would even be helpful for board members and people who are making decisions. I mean, that's such a good analogy. I uh, thank you for sharing that today. I learned a lot myself. Yeah, thank, thank you. It was, uh, it was fun to, to be on the podcast. Let me know. I'd uh, love to be back if you guys will have me. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I guess I can ask this short question. You want to give a shout out? Who, who are we shouting out to uh, Superintendent Estrada, who's who should come on the podcast next? We did this a while back. We need to do this more often. <laughs> uh, I, I will, you know, I just got off the phone with uh, Dr. Pat Patavell and Taylor ISD. I don't know if you've talked to Devin yet. Uh, you know, he's a, a superintendent colleague who, you know, I really respect and, and learn from every time I, I talk to him. Um, you know, really innovative, uh, high energy. Um, just really focused on, on, on kids type of a superintendent who, who, who I think the world of, 
uh, give him a shout out, um, not just because I just got off the phone with him, but because he's he's one of those leaders across the state who who is a superstar and I uh, think people can learn from him. Mm, thank you. I can't wait. I'll go look awesome. him up. <laughs> yeah, no, no this, is, this is really cool. And thank you so much for everything you shared today, Superintendent Estrada. And thank you, Karen, for being an awesome co-host. And before we close out, we're going to get a, a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Speaking of funding, Ideal Impact is giving hundreds of millions of dollars to school districts around Texas. So far, they've worked with over 180 districts in Texas. Doesn't involve the government, doesn't involve taxpayers, and it's all in the form of a free gift. So if you'd like to learn more, check out Ideal Impact, or you can send me a message and I'll connect you to the right person. Um, and for those that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast. <laughs>